for it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. One take. I'm going to botch this. What? I don't think I've ever done it in one take. You have. Okay. You have before you put pressure on yourself. You got one takes before. Okay. Okay. Welcome back to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pictureless podcast highlighting the romantic elements of baseball that make America's pastime special. I'm Noah Scott, once again joined by Brandon Riddle, and we are excited to bring you another episode packed with weird, wacky, and super odd baseball. So today we're joined by Max Greenfield. So Max, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I got I got through the first part. That's not bad. Okay. So Max is a going deep writer here at Pitcher List where he's published really insightful breakdowns on players like Evan Longoria, Chris Bryant, and most recently, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, which you can check out on the Pitcher List site. Uh, in addition to his writing, he's also worked as an intern for the Washington Nationals and is the stats guru for the Breaking Balls pod. You can find Max on Twitter at GreenfieldMax18. Max, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This uh, should be a lot of fun. Wow, when you say it, all those credentials, it makes me sound smart, but I'm really not that smart. <laughs> well, you're nah. smarter than us, guarantee that. Okay, okay, <laughs> but but for the record, so so he writes this, uh, Max writes this article about Chris Bryant, what, like three weeks ago, almost, you know, yeah. early April, and immediately, like, after Chris Bryant has just popped off, he's hitting, like, 323 with, like, nine home runs right now. Yeah, nice. So clearly, you know something about what you're talking about, right? I got that one. I got – see, what's funny is with the Cubs is uh, two weeks prior to the Bryant article, I wrote an article about Jason Hayward, who was really good last uh-huh. year, and then he has immediately done basically nothing all of this year. <laughs> and then Chris Bryant, I write about, and he immediately pops off right after I write about him. So I'm one for two on the Cubs. And batting 500 in baseball would surely get you into the Hall of Fame. So I must be doing something oh, decently That's well. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. Although I will say, so you wrote about Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May. And oh, yeah. That's, that one's not on looking the injured so good. List. I'm, I'm 0 for 2. So now we got a curse. Pictures. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah so, so, so yeah, maybe maybe stay away from the L.A. Uh, rotation just for just for a little bit. But just a quick rundown of what we're doing today, talking about here with Max. Uh, first, we're going to touch base with him about just his baseball experience, uh, his experiences working for the Nationals, stuff like that. Uh, get to know Max a little better. Uh, then I'm going to take you on uh, a take you on a journey. I don't a I magical, here? magical. We're going to look at the <laughs> we're going to look at the history of bobbleheads. Uh, so that'll be super fun. Then we are doing uh, the pickle jar. It returns once again. We're talking about the Houdini Act. And then we will top it all off, uh, round things out with another rendition of Rent, Extend, Cut. So that's what we have on tap for today. So, Max, uh, so we talked a little bit about what you've done at Pitcher List, but I'm curious, Max, like uh, for a little more info on like what, what your baseball story is. So like starting with like who are your favorite players to watch growing up and then, uh, you know, today? Yeah, it's a- uh, it's always the, f- the fun question because that's the question that lets you talk the most if you're a guest. We're all about fun questions. <laughs> yes, fun questions are always the best. Uh, so I grew up out here in Northern California. Uh, for anybody who's listening that lives near Sacramento area, I'm uh, currently living in Roseville. I grew, grew up in Placerville, California. My dad is from Albany, New York. He went to Fordham University in the Bronx. He raised me a Yankee fan. Uh, And I played baseball from the time that I was like four years old until I was done playing after a senior year in high school. And, you know, I just was always, I played other sports and everything like that, but I was always like, the sport I followed the most was always baseball. Like once baseball Mm -hmm. season was on, you know, back then we didn't have MLB TV and stuff. Not to, I'm not that old, but like just to, aged myself for anybody who was younger than me listening that can't imagine a world without MLB TV. We didn't always have that. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, we had, we had this week in baseball every Saturday yeah. morning. We had this week. There was this week in baseball. The only real televised game was whatever was on ESPN on Fox. And yeah. Thank God. It's not like that anymore. Uh, <laughs> no offense to the ESPN <laughs> broadcast, but I don't think I could deal with that all the time. Um, but you know, I was, big fan of the Yankees growing up. They, they went on. So, you know, I'm, I'm born in not to, you know, reveal myself as a younger person, but I was born in 1997. Uh, and so the Yankees, uh, go on that really great stretch after when I'm, I'm too mm-hmm. young to remember it. Right. 
So my Vivian, you know, my earliest memories of the Yankees are when like those mid two thousands teams, which are like for the Yankee standards, not that great, but in, you know, everyone else's standards, like they made the playoffs. They were solid teams. Like they, they could have won world series if they had upgraded yeah. a little bit more, or a couple things had gone their way. Like they were solid enough. Right. Um, and so then, you know, one of my favorite baseball memories was, you know, the Yankees end up winning the world series in 2009. I watched it with my dad. I can remember that. And just, you know, watching some of my favorite players, Jeter, Rivera, uh, you know, win a World Series, you know, was really cool. You know, you always want to, see, you know, if I never see whatever team I work for, or team I root for, if they never win another World Series, like, that's fine. I saw one in my life. Like, that's, yeah, that's, there are Cubs fans that literally saw zero. So, you know, I can, there are Cleveland fans who have seen many, many zero. different fans. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. there, there are a lot of fans that have never seen one in their lives. So like the fact I've seen one is good enough for me. Um, but you know, as I said, I played baseball throughout high school. I was like thinking about trying to play college baseball and everything was training for it. And then my junior year, uh, a tendon in my elbow got so inflamed that it was on the verge of tearing and it caused my shoulders to like really over exaggerate when I was pitching and when I was hitting. And so I took a swing and I dislocated my shoulder. I proceeded to do that two more times in the span of about six months. And, uh, I, you know, finally went to a doctor and he was like, yeah, you probably can't swing a bat anymore or you have to get surgery. Uh, And I was like, okay, well, what's the wait time on the surgery? And they're like a year and a half. And I was like, Oh, "Oh, that's not gonna, not gonna happen. Like it was, it was this at that point it was, February of my senior year of high school. So like if I was going to take a year and a half off, like I would be taking a year and a half off, miss my entire freshman year of like college yeah, baseball and everything. And then like try and learn how to play baseball again after that. And I was sort of like, that's just, it's hard to come back from that in the first place. Um, and I realized like, that's just not, that's just not what I want. Like, I don't like, I love the game a lot, but yeah, like it's, it's, that's a hard enough process. That's a hard enough grind. Yeah. I don't have a guaranteed college roster spot. The couple schools I was talking to when I told them I couldn't swing a bat anymore, just sort of like, all right, like, <laughs> see ya. And it's like, <laughs> Dude, I get it. 100% yeah. I understood at that point. Yeah. Like, on, go ahead. On your last competitive game, uh, did, did you like know that this was going to be your last game or was it thinking you're going to play tomorrow? Yeah. So like my senior year, all I did was pitch. Like I pitched every, you know, I like every Friday or something. I don't remember, but I pitched every, you know, every game and i remember my last game i was just sort of like thinking in my head like oh whatever college i could try and walk on but i was like i can't swing yeah. bad anymore and i was like yeah you know this is probably it and i'm okay with that like i was okay with the way my career ended. okay you know it always sucks that an injury like forces your career like you know you yeah. always think about Prince right. Fielder, right you know just like how sad of a way to go out that is and not to start out on a depressing note but uh you know, it, it goes up from here. I, pr- I promise. I promise. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's how it just, that's, that's how it ends. And like, yeah. I go to university of Arizona and like, I'm thinking like, you know, I still really love baseball, you know, like just cause I can't play, doesn't mean I can't work in it or write about it or anything like that. So you know, I, you know, the classic money ball story, I go to get a degree in economics, <laughs> uh, business economics. And, you know, I graduate in three and a half years. I was an intern for a collegiate summer team between my junior and last semester. Then, you know, I went to work for Sports Info Solutions. Uh, and for those who are listening that don't know, they are the people who uh, do the math behind defensive runs saved, uh, which is one of the best defensive metrics in baseball. Uh, not non-biased, of course. Not not, not biased. <laughs> well, we only have three options. So literally, <laughs> literally, must yeah. be one of the best. Uh, so... You know, I worked for them. I was a video scout. My my job there was really really simple: was watch as you know a bunch of baseball games, keep track of all this stuff, and that's what I did. And it was really great. I probably watched over like 500 baseball games of college, minor league, major league baseball there, and it was so much fun. Uh, and I knew like all right, like after that, I was like, okay, I can go work for a team now. Like I have the skill set, I have the knowledge. My knowledge of sabermetrics is very advanced. Um, I know I have the drive to do this. And so I went and I interviewed with about eight or nine different teams uh, back in 2019. And, you know, I I got an interview with the Nationals, uh, the first one, like right after they advanced to the World Series. Um, And, you know, the guy calls me at seven o'clock in the morning, my time, 10 o'clock, his time. And he's like, 
real sorry about calling you this early, but like got a lot of interviews to do. And I was like, Hey man, like I'm not going to say no. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Which is a good story because the angels, uh, I could say this now cause I didn't get the job, but the angels called me when I was at the gym <laughs> once. And so like I pick up, they're like, hi, is this Max Revit? And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> who is this and it's like this is the uh, angels minor league video coordinator and whoever and i was like they're like you got time Uh-oh. to talk and i was like yeah sure, sure. <laughs> it was exhausted into the the but i didn't want to say no because like if i say no they might not call back right and i was right, like yeah i was like all right yeah. i gotta i gotta do this so you know there i am sitting there on the phone in the middle of the gym puffing and puffing for the first 10 minutes because i had just like <laughs> just gotten off the bike for like 35 minutes so i'm like you know i'm really breathing um and so but that's a good interview. Anyway, so then I go through a second interview <laughs> with the Nationals. This time it's right after they won the World Series. So like they, uh, they just won like two, two days earlier. And so they asked me a question. They're like, what was the last time you were wrong? And I, I laughed and I said, I didn't pick you to win the World Series. <laughs> and uh, they're like, they're like, we appreciate the honesty. We probably wouldn't have either. And I was like, hey, man, that's I'm really classic. happy I was wrong. That's and they're good. like. We are too. (laughs) (laughs) Then, so then I meet up with them at the World Series, and it was uh, it was like a forty-five hour long conversation, and it was just great. Like we talked about baseball for maybe like 10, 15 minutes. Most of it was just like life and like how we deal with certain situations and everything, and just like talking, and it was a lot of fun. And so all of my other friends who worked at SIS, they went through like one interview or two interviews, and then they got their jobs. I was now through three interviews and I still wasn't guaranteed a position. And so it's after the winter meetings. Uh, my girlfriend comes out to visit me here in California and I'm taking her to Disneyland because she's never been before. And uh, we're on our way to Disneyland. At this point, I still don't know. Like I'm, And I'm telling her, and I'm like, wouldn't it be just awful if on the way or while we're there, <laughs> they reject me? Wouldn't that just be the worst thing ever? Like you're taking a step with Mickey. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, no. Right. But so then on the way there, I see my phone, an email notification pops up and I see it's from, you know, who would become my boss. Uh, and I was like, yeah. oh, no. Oh, no. And it's and it's just an email saying, sorry, Max, we're still in the middle of our process for like, we'll try to get to you back. Uh, here. I was like, oh, uh, when, <sighs> when they start with sorry, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, no, they knew what feeling. they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> and so then a couple uh, we go to Disneyland to come back and I'm like, my old job at SS says like you have until January 1st to like let us know if you can come back or not. I'm like, OK, so then I email the Nationals. and I'm like, hey, like I got until the new year to let them know the next, you know, the guy emails me back and the next day and he says, all right, sounds good. The assistant GM of the nationals is going to call you at some point. And I was like, Excellent. The, the assistant GM. Why? Like, like I'm just, I'm just <laughs> a video intern. Like why, why am I, why am I? So next, so I get the email 30 minutes later, the guy calls me. Well, we talked for about 25 minutes and the next day I get offered the job and I was just like, man, but I tell all my friends, like I've done four interviews with the nationals at this point. They're like, are you sure you're still interviewing for the same job? And I don't know if I was <laughs> or not, but like I went through four interviews with them. And then, so I got the job. I go out to Florida and, you know, as we all know, this is not going to end well. Uh, <laughs> I, go, I go out to Florida. I'm there for three weeks and it's like, March, you know, the world kind of like stopped yeah. like March 11th or something like that, right? Like March 11th, yeah. March 12th. And so it's like March 10th, and uh, which is my girlfriend's birthday. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of craziness going on. Her school is about to shut down and everything, trying to, you know, send her home and everything. So I'm trying to like make sure she's okay and like she's safe. And also like I'm like thinking like, okay, like what's going to happen here? Um, and then like two days later, you know, the, the NBA, they, they cancel the games and everything. The whole, the whole thing happens. Yeah. And the next day we have like an hour long meeting in the morning about like, we're shutting everything down. We don't know when Oof. stuff's coming back and everything. So they send me home and at that, you know, the next couple months, it's just like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, we're still not sure. Then around in May, they let me know that like, it's just we don't think the my link season is going to happen. We're just letting go of all our interns this year. And I was like, okay, uh, that's, uh, which is in hindsight, right? It didn't happen. So like it, it right. wouldn't have mattered. Um, and I was okay with that then, you know, so then, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, you know, how can I help out my skills and stuff? And, you know, Nick Pollock posts on you know Twitter, like they're accepting writers. And I was, I hadn't written in at that point, like 
uh, almost a year. And I was mm-hmm. like, eh, like, should I really write again? Like, you know, I, I don't know if it's what I want and everything like that. Uh, but I was like, you know, why not? Like, what, just apply, see what happens, right? Like, yeah, exactly. see, see, you know, see what happens. And so I interviewed with Nick after I was like one of his first interviews because um, I was like, just get it out of the way. Uh, and we had a really great conversation because, you know, he is also a Yankees fan. And well, we talked about <laughs> different pitchers we liked on the Yankees and everything. Uh, and as you guys know, I'm a huge Jonathan Lewisaga guy, like big Jonathan yep. Lewisaga guy. I'm talking about him all the time. And so we, we spent like 10 minutes just talking about Jonathan Lewisaga, different things about him and like whether or not he should start, whether or not he should be a reliever <laughs> and whatnot. And we were just talking about that. Uh, and it was a really great conversation. And then like, you know, uh, he, you know, I got offered the job. My friend Jeremy uh, Siegel, who's another fantastic writer, a uh, really smart guy, um, also got the position too. And we were joking about how you know we'll be writing at the same place together. And you know, I didn't get brought back by the Nationals. Uh, you know, my affiliate. I was supposed to go work in Hagerstown. It got cut out of the sixteen oh. teams that were cut last year. So um, I ah. I was not brought back f- for that reason. And again. I don't feel any ill will to the Nationals. I loved my time there. Like, absolutely loved it. I had a great experience. I have nothing but positive things to say yeah. about that organization. It's just a matter of, like, very unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. Uh, and they basically told me that. They're like, listen, this isn't a decision that we, like, make easily. Like, it's not your fault. Uh, nobody did anything wrong. It's just, like, we don't have spots. And yeah. you know, we got to make it's not calls. you. Yeah. yeah it, it's somehow <laughs> worse, but also better at the same time to hear that. Cause it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like it doesn't keep my job, but it's also like, at least they know that I'm still a decent person. Uh, yeah. and <laughs> like if, you know, if you're a nationals fan out there, like I know, underst- I understand that it can be frustrating watching sometimes the moves the front office makes. Trust me. I I've had conversations with them about <laughs> it. I understand the logic. Um, and but i want you you know if you're a nationals fan you can understand that uh you're fans of a really good front office they do things really really well uh they treated us just spectacularly um nobody felt worse about letting us go or letting me go a second time than they did like they just felt really legitimately awful about it they said it was tough conversations um you know, one of my friends, he's he's still working there. Uh, Jason Fixell, he's the Nats baseball ops intern. He's the guy I worked on my uh, K War statistic with, and he's doing great there. Uh, he's a great guy, and they're a great organization. I have nothing but good things to say. And you know, now I'm with the pitcher. Now I'm with Pitcher List, and you know, this community we have here is amazing. All very very smart people. People much smarter than I am. Uh, people who love baseball just as much as I do, which is great. And we have so many great people, and it's great to be a part of this because you know the best part about baseball is like sharing it with people who love it just as much as you do and i've been able to like introduce my girlfriend into the game too like teach her about all this stuff and she's really into it that's like just so much fun (laughs) that's cool that's awesome yeah like just all all the stuff we get to do together get to share together and it's like these great experiences and that's what that's what makes baseball so much fun is like the people you share it with and the people you watch yeah yeah, but you know that's you're you're exactly right. That's uh, that's what baseball's all about. That's what short hops and tall tails is all about. Hey, look at that segue. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you know, kind of along the vein of of just like baseball experiences that aren't necessarily the game itself, but still are you know a really cool corner of baseball culture. Uh, we're gonna go into detail on the history of bobbleheads. Yes. Yes. Did you did you collect bobbleheads growing up? What do now? So I don't I don't collect them. I just like if there's like a cool one and I just happen to be going at the game, like I'm not going to say no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, I don't I had a bunch of basketball bobbleheads. I'm a Kings fan. And back (laughs) that is the nice part about like the exact age I was getting old enough to understand basketball. I am still able to be old enough to be outraged about 2002. Uh, so I have a bunch of <laughs> Kings bobbleheads from then. And I think the, um, I think I had like, and I had a Jeter bobblehead and an A-Rod bobblehead when I was younger. But then I also had a couple like Sacramento River Cats bobbleheads because mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. they're the local minor league team and you know, minor league teams, they do bobblehead giveaways like all the all time. time, all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think from a uh, 99 to about 2004, 2005, I went to every Diamondbacks game that had the bobblehead. So I just, I still, down at my mom's house, still have all the bobbleheads in the box somewhere. Nice. That makes me happy. That's cool. You probably got a Luis Gonzalez one in there, Randy Johnson. Oh, yeah. In there. Oh, yeah. I got the, the, the Randy Johnson with the, oh, sorry, with, with Kurt Schilling, do the co MVPs. I got Brandon Webb, Cy Young. Oh, I got them all. Love Ooh. them. Now that's, that's a cool. name right there, Brandon Webb. Oh, yes. That's how he's just sad. We just had an episode where where we talked uh, in detail about Brandon Webb Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago with uh, Nick Pollock, actually. I Um, love Brandon Webb. Love that guy. His career (laughs) went from Hall of Fame pace to literally (sighs) gone, and it makes me so sad. Yeah. Literally, he just threw one pitch and walked off a mountain. Overnight. Yeah. And we thought, oh, he'll he'll miss a start. It's fine. He'll miss two starts. It's It's fine. Oh, no. The, yeah. the the response to that injury was just oh he'll be back yeah never again well never again that's yep. that's a okay so what what, what we need to do we keep so sad and so happy at the same time <laughs> we keep bringing brandon webb up so at some point we just need a we segment keep... on brandon webb okay, and get it out we'll, of the way gotta invite we'll him on the whole, pod uh, that's what you gotta do you gotta find him yeah he, he does uh, post game announcing now from dimebacks so he? still get oh, to listen yeah. to him Got it. Got to get him on. Got to get him on. Tell him how appreciated he is. Uh, yeah. So he's one definitely one of my favorite bobbleheads I have is that Brandon Webb bobblehead. I would love I like that, that bobblehead just because I could look back and go, man, you were so good. <laughs> yeah, I have a Chase Utley bobblehead from his like mm. when he was re- retiring. Uh, the Dodgers threw him this big thing. And it, so it's like Chase Utley in a Dodgers jersey. I have Hideo Nomo. I have this one. also. I, oh, yeah, here it is. Um Oops, you can't see it if you're listening, but I have this really weird like Kershaw bobblehead that he kind of looks just like a, a troll almost. He's very like that doesn't look very much like yeah, him, he, but he got the beard it, right though. Yeah, he, exactly. he looks like a ventriloquist doll. The mouth is just right there. It's the right yeah. shape. It looks like the chin flaps up and down. It's very odd still, looking Kershaw. I mean, it's come a long way from where bobbleheads started. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, I don't know if you knew this, but bobbleheads actually date all the way back to the 1760s uh, when Chinese nodding head figures were documented in England and Europe, like as art, which I, I mean, granted, that's that's like the earliest. So it's 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 very much not, you know, what we have today right. in terms of it's probably you know, not how commercialized. Yeah. And yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It was more of an art thing. But I thought that was pretty cool all the way back in in the 18th century um and so back then it was like they're made out of like this like painted plaster and like i said just not the exaggerated kind of cartoony designs that we have uh now but how does that really connect to baseball like where where does it really cross over so the first the first bobbleheads in baseball uh they actually originated as like souvenirs that you could buy uh, around 1960 so they really hadn't been a big thing in the u.s until that point uh, but for some reason then mlb just created these bobblehead uh figurines out of paper mache uh so it's 1960 they Ooh. sold them at the at the souvenir shops and it was just the same bobblehead the same generic face uh but he had a different uh different jersey on and, and they did one for each team this clearly can't be the same paper mache i'm thinking of when you get like the the wet newspaper oh like the know, balloon yeah, yeah the balloon put it on boom, and pop like, it i don't know how like, that would it can't work. be the same stuff <laughs> yeah i i don't know about that um and were but MLB uh yeah they, they were the first was mlb the first sport to do it or was it other leagues did it that's actually what i what i could find was it just like i don't know exactly how it just kind of popped up in america at that time in 1960 uh i think that's probably its own interesting story in and of itself uh however yeah what i what i found was yeah they just were these souvenirs you could go into the team store or or wherever and buy them and yeah it was just like one mascot that they just gave a different uh i guess jersey for each for each team so very very basic at this point um and only a couple of those are still around uh and they were called nodders because i mean (laughs) I don't know, I feel like that's like an old time. Like like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually like one of the last remaining uh, Yankees nodders just sounds ridiculous. Uh, sold for almost $60,000 back in like 2015. <sighs> Holy cow. It was like one of like lot. two left. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's just like this really interesting, weird part about baseball culture that we just don't take a second to really analyze as being just 
really odd because i mean mm-hmm. yeah there's basketball like obviously this is spread to other sports but it's just a very strange element i guess <laughs> yeah because when you see a bobblehead you're always like that's overpriced but if it's free you always want it that's, exactly right exactly. Like, you're never gonna go out and buy a bobblehead right you're, you're just you look at it and go and then you see the price and it's usually you know something yeah i feel like it's like right? I feel like it's like it's art, but at the same time, it's art that like if you have too many of like somebody's it's gonna, a like, niche art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It started it started with the one mascot. Uh, and then during the 1960 World Series, MLB actually created the first personalized player bobbleheads, uh, starting with there was the first wave just had uh, four stars of the time. So there was Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, Roberto Clemente and Roger Maris. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And just as it worked out, three of those four players, uh, since it was for the World Series, played in the 1960 Fall Classic. Uh, so you've got Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, Clemente, uh, Roger Maris. Which one of those players did not play in the World Series? Okay, um, I know the answer, so I will let Max give <laughs> well, it a go. It's, it's it's either Clemente or Mays, right? Because you know Maris and Mantle. You're the Yankees fan, yeah. Well, <laughs> I am I am the Yankees fan, but I, I don't have. Let's say I don't remember 1960s stuff off the a little top before of your time. Very, very <laughs> well. It's the only World Series to, to end in a deciding game with a walk off home run. So it must, it must have been Mays was the one that didn't make it because uh, what's his name? He got he gets put into the Hall of Fame for this home run, basically. Bill Mazeroski. That's it. Bill Mazeroski mm-hmm. hits that walk off yep. home run. I look. I when I saw he was in the Hall of Fame, I was like, was Bill Mazeroski any good? I looked at his numbers. No. No, nope, not really. <laughs> not really. He's like, in there. He's in there for that one moment. He's he's really in there in for there. vibes. He's in yeah. there for that one moment. That yeah. one. But moment. what a moment to choose yeah. a moment. I mean, that's true. That's, that's true. If, if we if we had better technology, I think that would rival the Joe Carter home run because mm-hmm. I. But the Joe Carter home run. What's so that's a, about is the call. The call of the Joe Carter home run is that's true. Marvels. And, when I think of calls and home runs, um, I'm going back to the Bobby Thompson. Oh, you mean the one where the uh, Giants he, were cheating with a with a, a we'll, telescope we'll, out yeah. in center field? We're gonna go, we're gonna go in depth on that in a future episode. <laughs> this is like literally bef- like what forty years before I was born. <laughs> you still hold a grudge. Yeah. Hold a, hold anyway, grudge. Um, it cost me a World so, Series I wasn't even alive for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it, they actually like they were a hit when they came out with this set of, you know, Maze Mantle, Clemente and Roger Maris. Um, so bobbleheads, they got a boost in popularity in the 1960s. Uh, they made I mean, so teams were starting to make them for promotional items. Uh, however, they did gradually start to fall off in favor of other souvenirs, kind of like baseball cards and like lunch boxes. I don't know if either of you had like a lunch box. Uh, I had a Yankee when you were growing up. growing up. Yeah, yeah. I think I had a night. I think I had like a 1999 Dodgers lunchbox when I was a kid. and had like Adrian Beltre, like Chan Ho Park, <laughs> Eric Caros. You got to keep that. Sweet. You got to keep that. That's going to be worth something. It's somewhere. Yeah. yeah, it's in the in the garage. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, so this time it's kind of waning a little bit. And so flash forward, it's 1999. It's actually May 9th. Uh, and the Giants are... Uh, they get this idea, their assistant GM actually gets this idea to do a retro giveaway to commemorate their final season at Candlestick Park. So to do that, they're like, hey, we really liked bobbleheads uh, when we were when we were little. Let's let's kind of let's do a bobblehead. So the first 20,000 fans received a complimentary Willie Mays bobblehead. Um, and, you know, over the years, manufacturing has been improving. Uh, they've got now plastic models that are cheaper and sturdier. There's a lot more detail. Uh, there's all hand painted. So that really that uh, 1999, that Willie Mays event is when bobbleheads really exploded back onto the scene. And they, they really couldn't have chosen a better player because he just yeah. symbolized, you know, he was cool. He's an icon. Of course, people won't want that. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, it was a hit. Eight teams did bobblehead giveaways the next season. And then since then, it's just all exploded, right? You've got all these specialty bobbleheads. You've got like mini ones. You've got banks. You've got some that are, you know, bottle openers and air fresheners. Like it's just this huge expanse of of the really weird collector's hobby, yeah. to be honest. It's just, just in a vacuum. 
a little uh, one last modern note about bobbleheads uh the marlins bobblehead museum actually opened when they rebranded and opened with 588 bobbleheads but when their owner jeffrey loria left he took his around 900 bobbleheads with him when he ended up selling the team (laughs) granted he donated them to the hall of fame but uh he like kind of like took like over half of the bobbleheads from their hall of fame when he sold the team which i thought was kind of funny yeah, I, I remember when the Merlin Stadium opened, how big of a deal that was to have the Bobblehead Museum inside that yeah. um, stadium. And he just said, nope, I'm taking these with me. Yep. Good luck, everyone. That's yeah. yeah, that's what he does. He's just the, just yeah. the worst. Yeah. Um, now, finally, just to cap off the conversation, we kind of touched on our favorite bobbleheads a little earlier. Uh, were there any other like fun ones that you maybe have seen at some point and you thought was, you know, man, I wish I could have had one of those. I know that like Marshawn Lynch has a really cool one from his <laughs> Cal Berkeley days where he's uh, from when he stole the, uh, the field cart and he's riding around in it. <laughs> uh, I know Vin Scully, when he retired, he got his own. I think my favorite yeah. one though was, I think there's a version of Clayton Kershaw out there, but hitting like with a bat in his hands, which I think is kind of <laughs> hilarious. Oh, I'm trying to, th- trying to think. So obviously the ones I have were very, team specific to that Arizona club. Um, and the oddest thing, I remember the one I liked it, like it just felt like the most well done. Everything looked nice and crisp on it. Uh, this is a name. Let's throw you back. It was a Johnny Estrada bobblehead. Does that ring, Nate ring a bell to you guys? Am I going to be shamed if I say no? I can't say. It, but... <laughs> no, he was, he was a brief all-star, I think for the Braves and he was traded to Diamondbacks. Okay. Uh, but he was a catcher. I remember the catcher's gear just looks so cool. on him. <laughs> That's pretty cool. What about you, Max? Um, I know the Nationals, they put out the Anthony Fauci bobblehead. Oh, yeah. Nice. That was pretty good. Um, I don't have that one. I think the the craziest one I had was probably just one of Jeter diving. Mm -hmm. I think there was like Mm -hmm. a Jeter diving bobblehead, which, you know makes sense because you know he had to dive so much because he had no range uh it's funny <laughs> sneak it in that true fan yeah, i see i mean it's just true like that's just like, yeah yeah i had yeah, no yeah, range yeah. i'm not trying to disrespect the guy he just didn't that's i funny. do remember uh just like an example i guess of a bobblehead in pop culture if you remember that ice cube movie called are we there yet where tracy morgan <laughs> voices wow. a talking satchel page bobblehead um, oh yeah so if you haven't seen that movie in a while it's great so just to keep things moving along, because, I mean, it's a pictureless podcast, so I feel like it's a given that we're going to run a little late here, but <laughs> we're going to move on into our next segment. It's the pickle jar. So for those of you that are pickle new jar. this week, uh, the pickle jar is a segment where we uh, we really explore baseball terminology and the weird uh, and all the weird slang terms uh within within baseball and we take them to people who are less familiar uh, with baseball's special language and we ask them to kind of take their best guess at whatever the term is for that week and what it means or sometimes even us will find a term that we've never heard before and we don't know oh, what yeah. this means i'm gonna i'm gonna try to guess this one which is exactly what happened this week yeah so brandon had, had you heard this term for the week uh, do you want to introduce it uh, yeah so the term like you mentioned earlier is the houdini act i Houdini. I, I had no idea what to refer to, what, what, what's going on in this game of baseball. Um, so so I, I guess I immediately thought of, you know, Houdini being the magician that it refers to a player that disappears in the clutch. He's just gone from the game. You don't see him again. He's pulling a Houdini act. That kind of made sense to me. Okay. Okay. Uh, Max, what do you think it might mean? Well, I, I do know what it means because okay, well, oh, he knows. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, uh, why don't you why don't you you define it for us? So, uh, if you're if you are a Yankee fan, not like I, I am now a Nationals fan. Let me clarify, by the way, because I work for them, <laughs> so I'm a Nationals fan now. But uh, Michael K always likes to say, "Can he pull off the Houdini act here?" And he's talking about a reliever who's in a tight spot and wants to get out of it without giving up a run. So if they're second and third, one out. Or bases loaded, one or two outs. And the question is, can he pull the Houdini act and get out of this tight spot? Because Houdini would put himself into tight situations <laughs> and then get out of it. Exactly. That exactly. That makes a, total sense. Uh, now that you mentioned it, I've definitely heard that. In I do actually before. like the fade into the clutch, the guy who disappears in the clutch. We do need a name for yeah, that. Yeah, I thought though. that'd be yeah. a good one. I, I yeah. like that because we need a name for that. 
so that way you know as you know i'm a big analytics guy i don't know how real clutch is or not but it would still be kind mm-hmm. of fun well i mean we we have like the mendoza and yuku line so we should just find somebody who has failed more than anyone else in the clutch yeah, who's the and worst name it after them hitter of all the worst hitter clutch? of all time that would be a that'd be <laughs> yeah Name, although sure you know, naming it after like the person for your worst moments is always like so it's a little rough. It's a little rough. Like, <laughs> well, no, or he was so good that he was put in that position many times. So there, I mean, there you hey, go. That's you, true. Yeah. You could you yeah. could honestly name it for a few years. There, A Rod was really rough in the postseason. Oh, he was bad. He was bad. In since, the clutch. I loved he's it. such an awful announcer on ESPN. I always think it's fair that we drag down his ego just a little bit and say that. Hey, hold on. I, I don't. I don't want to get. <laughs> I don't want short hops and tall tails to get sued by by A Rod's very aggressive legal staff. So you know, uh, if, I don't. Am I am I saying if A Rod knows we exist? Yeah. That's enough <laughs> for me. Am I saying anything that will get us into legal trouble by saying he's just nah, not very you're... good at his job? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> um, uh, he's not very good at his job. It's okay. We're we're gonna name it. We're gonna name the new guy who disappears in the clutch moment. We're gonna call it the A Rod thing. <laughs> Even though it's not necessarily the A Rod thing, the, the, yeah, perfect. The, the, we're gonna call it after A Rod just because we we need something to like stick it to well, him right now. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna write Taking this down to make an article now. So thank <laughs> yeah. you. Um, I also the A Rod thing. I also talked to uh, my girlfriend. Asked her uh, to weigh in as to what a Houdini act might mean, and so she said that it's when the pitcher hides the ball before he throws it. So, uh, okay. so if you think of like you say Kikuchi, the way he keeps the ball. Uh, kind of along his his thigh and his back as he delivers to the plate. And I was like, that's a pretty solid answer. I mean, it makes sense. He's yeah. being sneaky with it. Uh, and then she also had a similar answer. Um, she's like, it's that or it's when like the pitcher or hitter is really good at first and then, you know, falls off really quickly right after because okay. they disappeared. Yeah. So, yeah. so I thought those were pretty on the mark. I mean, it makes sense yeah. when you think about it. Like if someone were <laughs> yeah. to say, oh, they pulled the Houdini act, you probably think, oh, they disappeared, right? Like just yeah you you associate magic houdini disappearing Mm -hmm. right like that's it all makes sense like if you have no idea what the term is i i think it's a solid guess what 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 it actually refers to it does make sense but it's not really as as cool as like or maybe i I don't know it's definitely nice i think it's pretty cool it's it's definitely it's a more positive outcome let's just say that i think it's i think it's (laughs) it comes down to like there's good magic and there's bad magic (laughs) <laughs> there's true. a good houdini nice. act and a bad houdini act i don't know that was nice if, if you're gonna get uh, existential or something fan, on here uh, job would yeah be what we would call a bad magic act for all you arrested <laughs> development fans out there there you go <laughs> so that brings us into our final discussion for the night as we close the book on the houdini act uh we're going back into our game uh for the second installment of rent extend cut so, Max, uh, if you couldn't tell, it's pretty simple. It's it's all in the title. So yep. we're going to present you with three players, and you choose one player to rent for one season, one player to uh, you know extend for their career, build a statue of them, and one to cut from the roster. Uh, now, the catch is they're all really good players. So you're going to mm-hmm. feel – you're you might feel uncomfortable. I, last week, we came to a pretty solid consensus, though. Um, but – Anyway, a little more background. You don't have to approach this from purely an analytical standpoint. Uh, if you just want to do <laughs> like, do. you know, just go with your gut, go with vibes. Uh, that's up to you. Uh, but if you want to go analytics, that can be your focus. If you want how you make your argument is all up to you. So we're each going to weigh in here this week um, on Manny Ramirez, Tony Gwynn and Miguel Cabrera. Oh, so. Three fairly different guys uh, in the last 30 years or so. Um, what are our initial reactions here? That this is tough. <laughs> yeah. I, I love everything about Tony Gwynn. Um, just watching his game being played, uh, just the way he played as well, uh, just kind of his being a role model as, as, as well. It, it was fantastic. So Tony Gwynn's a guy I want to extend okay. for his career, and I want to get him 400. That's a good That's a good gut reaction to start off. Now, if for a little more context, uh, if you're thinking longevity, it's pretty much a wash between all three guys because they all played for at least well, 19 years. Oh. Uh, and Miguel Carrera is still counting. Now, whether you want to argue, you know, how... I guess productive effective. those yeah exactly how yeah. effective those final years were that's up to you but Manny and Miguel was, uh, both played 19 Tony Gwynn played 20 
Uh, they're all sitting at around 65 to 70 wins above replacement. Uh, so it's it's really just, I guess. Well, I, I, feel, I feel like Tony aged a little better, if, if I may here. Yeah. Uh, he was 38 years old and got MVP votes and was 39 and went to the All-Star game. So I feel like he had a lot more to give to later in the tank until he got injured when he was 40. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I guess it really it, it depends you know, how much do you value the power of Manny Ramirez and Miguel Cabrera over Tony Gwynn? This is tough. Uh, what are you, th- what are you this, thinking, this Max? Is tough. I can tell you very confidently that Tony Gwynn is the best person of the three. Like, Max, That's true. Yes. Not really any debate on that one. <laughs> uh, Manny Ramirez is far and away well, the best hitter of those three. Like, that, mm-hmm. Whatever you want to say about Manny Ramirez, that dude can just flat out yeah. rake. Um, he hit he hit thirty home runs for nine straight seasons. Yeah, he had a that's incredible four eleven career on base percentage and like a yeah, six hundred career slug. Six hundred for your career slugging percentage is just absurd <laughs> to think about. He he. Now it wasn't maybe a little bit assisted yeah, there. Might might have a little help, but like, he ate his vegetables. Tell, yeah. I, I'll comment on that later. Um, Drink a lot of milk. This is this is tough. Um. You know, it, I think to answer this question, you sort of have to answer how you feel about steroid usage, right? Like, if if you are yeah. okay with steroids, and like, I feel like the answer there is probably but, Ramirez. But even then, but however, if I if if I may as well, just because Manny just really killed Diamondbacks when he was on his <laughs> stuff, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> he he took the steroids when it was not allowed in baseball anymore. Like he knew it was against the rules when he was taking. That's yeah. There, I've said that's, that's kind of how I feel in general. Like I it, it that's not why I wouldn't vote for Manny Ramirez for the Hall of Fame. I yeah. would vote for him for other reasons that we don't have to discuss. Yeah. Um, but I understand the people who wouldn't vote for him for that reason that he was suspended because of the. Uh, you know, violating the rules. Not but, once. But twice. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I get that 100%. Like, I think that's valid to even consider in mm-hmm. something like this of who you would, you know, rent, extend. Yeah. And um, I, I also don't think we're giving Miguel Cabrera the proper praise he deserved. Yeah, that's true. In his heyday, he was a force beyond reckoning. It was incredible to watch that. I know yeah. his last few years have just been tough and they've really kind of killed his career numbers. But yeah. the dude at one point in time had a like a 190 way to run creative plus season. Like one of the best he won a triple seasons. crown. Yeah. He, he won a and then he had crown. a better year the next year. <laughs> yeah, he won a tr- That's right. You're exactly right. At the plate, he won a triple crown and then the very next year he was actually better than he was the previous year. Which yeah. is mind So what you're saying is so what you're saying is you're going to cut Cabrera? What, what are you going to do I here? Think <laughs> we got to hash it out because he he also won back-to-back MVPs in 2012 and 2013. Mm-hmm. Cabrera you doesn't can make an argument. F- you can make an argument for, for Mike for Trout Mike. in those years. But uh, but uh, also keep in mind, Gwynn won gold gloves and stole 30-plus bases. Yeah, that's true. He had 319 stolen bases for his career. Oof, love that. Yeah. This I think is, the thing that, that almost – it's this is maybe a bad one just because they're all so close that uh, I don't know. You know, it does boil down to personal preference, I guess, and how how you feel about the guys too, mm-hmm. which you know is kind of what our, so. our podcast is about. So, okay, do we have Max? Do you do you have an idea of who you want to keep yet? I think I would agree that in terms of like how you view your history as a baseball club, and like this is the person you want to give a lifetime contract to. This is the person you build a statue of. Tony Gwynn is the answer because he's a model mm-hmm. yep. on the field and off the field, right? Well, just an incredible baseball acumen uh, and history I mean, of the He's game. called Mr. Padre, yeah, like, so yeah, yeah he, that's so, something. Like, you know, Cabrera might get a statue built of him outside of Tigers Field at the end, you know, at some point. And like, Manny's not getting one built for him anywhere, <laughs> yeah. right? But Tony Gwynn is. And I would, Tony Gwynn might be the, like, might be. It really just depends. They're all really close. Mm-hmm. Might be the worst player, quote unquote, here. But he's the best Oof. person on and off the field. And it's so close anyway that like if I'm going to yeah. keep somebody, I want to keep somebody who's going to be just everything you want in a ball player on and off the field. And that's that's Tony Gwynn. So I, I would I would keep Tony Gwynn. Good. I think Good. I think that's really what it boils down to is yeah, Tony Gwynn is he's not the best player on paper out of the three of them. Um, though he's, you know, it just, he's because no slouch, he, like, don't give me yeah, he's not. Yeah. That, you know, that's just the nature of this conversation is all of these, 
all these players, they're all Hall of Fame level in talent at the very least. Um, so while Tony Gwynn may not be the most productive over his career, which is just in part, oh, you know, difficult to say. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's incredibly difficult to say. But what I'm saying is, is that you know he also did things a different way. So it really it matters how you value mm-hmm. slugging uh, versus how you value you know like fielding and base running and also just exactly who they are like who they are and i think i think tony gwynn mirrors our conversation that we had with uh ethan uh ethan moore uh brandon where we had ichiro mike piazza (laughs) and who's the third person well apparently they weren't important so wow okay well anyway i feel like (laughs) Oh yeah. Anyway, we had Ichiro uh, and Mike Piazza, and Ichiro was the consensus. Like we're keeping him for the entire yeah. time because it's the same deal. It's he's the guy. Uh, he's the face of the franchise. He's you know great off and off the field, on the field. He's a great role model to lock down for his career. So I think I'm with you, Tony Gwynn. We're locking down. Um, and then who are we? So it's it's the playoff push. Who who do you add to your to your team to your lineup to get you over the hump into playoffs and possibly to the World it's, Series? Is it Cabrera or Ramirez? You know, in retrospect, it's so difficult not to say Ramirez. Yeah. I, as much as I disliked him as a player, just based off that half season with the Dodgers where he killed Diamondbacks, <laughs> um, he was he knew something was going to happen. Something great was going to happen with him at the plate in the clutch. It may not have been the game ending may have been him striking out some fabric way, but you knew something was going to happen. And I think that's worth a lot to a team down the stretch, but I would still um, keep Cabrera. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're picking Cabrera for, for the rental then. This is mm-hmm. tough again. Okay. I mean, uh, the, the difference between, you know, Cabrera and Ramirez is, really just the amount of games they played in terms of their career numbers. Yeah. Like they're really, really close. Real, I mean, Ramirez has a higher way to run his career plus, but he didn't get the chance to age like Cabrera did because he just wasn't allowed yeah. to play uh, because he got popped again. <laughs> um, so you, you have to deal with that of just like, okay, his, his career numbers are, you know, peak for peak. They're basically the same, right? They're really, mm-hmm. really close offensively speaking anyway so then like you know if i were actually like going for it as a team i would just be like evaluating on what what i need do i need a dh you know first baseman or do i need a dh outfielder and that would that would answer the question of just like which i needed more but you know i think it i I think i'm with brandon it's hard to say i'd cut manny ramirez just because of how amazing of a hitter he was but i would i I'm young enough to say that Miguel Cabrera was the best right-handed hitter I ever saw in my life. Like, dude, over Mike Trout until Mike Trout came well, along over, over Albert Pujols. I think it's close enough. Putting that him I on was, the hot seat. I'm, I'm going to take Mickey over Pujols prime for prime. Okay. Peak really? Peak. Really? Ooh, Mickey, oof. That's another conversation. That's to talk about. We'll yeah. Have, that's we'll another Pujols conversation. Great. That's, like, that's, that's a good don't one. Don't get me wrong. Pujols was great. I mean, they're again, if you look at their peak yeah. numbers, they're incredibly similar really tough yeah but now it's i would go miguel cabrera was the best right-handed hitter i ever saw in my life okay. now the best left-handed hitter i ever saw in my life is obviously barry bonds because you know i watched him play uh <laughs> and that that's the only answer but you know uh i i i'm renting miggy but i'm saying that not confidently at all just like okay. I'm not, the, I'm more it's a preference at this point. Win. I'm pretty confident about that yeah. because, again, of who he was as a person and like the baseball acumen and everything. Yeah. But in this situation, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Like whichever okay. you pick yeah. is fine. Yeah, and that's that's exactly it. We're splitting hairs between Manny Ramirez and Miguel Cabrera. Tony Gwynn, we've got locked down. Um, he, he's the franchise at this point. I think we've decided. But I think personally. You know, I I saw the Dodgers literally go out and do this and add Manny Ramirez, uh, you know, down that the man, stretch that there, man and he was insane. He was, he was a force of nature. Like Manny Wood was why. one of the most intense <laughs> yeah. fan experiences. Yeah, uh, he was. He was. <sighs> I mean, man, it's that's what a balanced a balanced diet can do for you, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna walk in Manny. I'm I'm gonna cut uh, Miguel Cabrera. I hate to do it because, you know, I hope you feel good about your decision. I, I don't. I don't at all. No one's going to be happy here. But uh, it's yeah, tough. so we've it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. But we at least came to one consensus, which I think is is pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep, um, keeping Tony Gwynn is like 
even if he, again, as we said, if even if he's not the best player, when you give him a statue, you feel good about it, right? Like exactly, like, like, yeah, I can feel good perfect. about this decision. If I give a statue to either Manny Ramirez or Miguel Cabrera, I don't know if I feel so good about that. Like I'm like, am yeah. I am I raising <laughs> a bad person right now? Like, like yeah. that's that's I don't want to wrestle with that. Like if I give it to Gwyn, I'm just like, okay, like here you go, you're a good person, you're there fine, you go. fine baseball player. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, re- rewarding him for for being good off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, now we are running it a little late, as is tradition. Uh, so we're going to wrap things up here again. Uh, Max, thank you again for joining us tonight. This was a lot of fun getting to talk weird baseball with you. Yeah, it was. We had a, re- a really good time. The Bible, I, nine to 1700s, <laughs> the seventeen hundreds. Yeah, I did not know that. I I learned something. Today is older podcast. than baseball itself. Yeah, is seventeen sixty the earliest uh, year we've mentioned in this podcast so far? Ooh, we should keep track of that. I think it is. Yeah, I think seventeen sixty may be the front runner right ah, now. There we go. I like it. We got we got um, seventeen sixty China bobbleheads are being invented. Seventy sixty seventeen sixty <laughs> Americas were becoming a country. Woo. Yeah, very yeah. Just interesting. Bobbleheads are older than America. Bobbleheads are older than America. Trivia. There you go. Wow, that's your stat of the day. <laughs> stat of the day. Um, so uh, be sure to once again follow Max at Greenfield Max eighteen on Twitter, um, especially if you're working in a front office. You get a lot of good content over there. Um, <laughs> and also be sure to check out his going deep articles. Now, Max, do you have an article coming out? I guess this comes out on Saturday, so. Do you have an article that just dropped? Yes. Yes. I guess what would be yesterday. <laughs> time traveling. Uh, time traveling. <laughs> would be, uh, I'm writing about reliever targets. Uh, pray to God that they don't suck this week. Uh, and they still <laughs> are good reliever targets by the end of the week. Um, but yeah. You know, relievers, everyone, if you're playing fantasy baseball, which if you're listening to Pitcherless Podcast Networks, chances are you are playing fantasy baseball. Um <laughs> Everyone's trying to find like good holds and saves opportunities and just like strike outside of the pen. That's what I'm going to tell you. Try help help you try and find. Uh, we'll see how successful I am because relievers are extremely fluky, and I hate writing about relievers because one day I could say <laughs> this guy's great, and the next day he has like a seven ERA and a six FIP, even though the day before he had like a two ERA and a one point eight FIP, and it's like well. Yep. Oh well, <laughs> I was I was big on the Amir on the Amir Garrett train early in the oh before, yeah man. before the season, but we'll he's, see how it goes. He's, yeah, he's still got time. You talked me time. into him. He's still got time. His, Sorry, Brandon. His his gyro <laughs> slider. I'm sure will uh, yeah figure itself out. The uh, the short hops and and tall tales podcasts. We're we're not doing too hot in our in our podcast league. No, no, uh, we're not last. We're not last. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. So take that. Yeah, but. Listen, if you invested in some people, they can still turn it around. Exactly. Turn it around. It's only, but if it's it's only June, May. Uh, maybe not so much. <laughs> it's, it's a marathon, not yeah, a sprint. Marathon, people. Exactly. Marathon. It's, um, it's still early, people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like I said, uh, be sure to, to uh, get ready for that relievers article coming from Max uh, yesterday. Um, <laughs> it's here. <laughs> Time travel is difficult. Anyway, if you like what you hear from Short Hops and Tall Tales, be sure to keep it locked to Short Hops PL on Twitter uh, for all of our new episodes. Stay in the loop. Uh, you can also follow Brandon at BD Riddle and myself at Noah A. Scott Six. Uh, and then, if like I said, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're currently listening to this podcast. Um, and if you're feeling it, you know, leave a review. That'd be super cool. So for Brandon Riddle. I'm Noah Scott, and this has been the Short Hops and Tall Tales podcast. See you next time.